You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Before we get to the rest of today's episode, just a quick word from our friends over at DraftKings. The second round of the basketball playoffs is winding down. And DraftKings is still offering you a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each and every day. DraftKings free-to-play pools are super easy to enter. You just download the app, go to pools, and just answer a handful of questions that are as easy as who scores first, who hits the most threes. You don't even need to know a ton about ball to win up to $10,000 in cash each day. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now. And use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Now, we were throwing a bit of a curveball last second here. We had some interviews lined up that had to be rescheduled for various reasons. So that'll be coming up next week for you guys as we go full bore into our Jets offseason talk. So make sure you tune in to the end of the episode to find out what's on tap for Tuesday. In the meantime, we're digging into the Skates and Plates vault. And I thought I'd pull out this beauty for you guys, seeing as it's hot as hell outside. little tropical fever. We've had some great guests during our over 50 episodes so far, but I don't know if anyone has garnered more fanfare or attention than the truly one-of-a-kind Christine Pattison from Miss Christine's Kitchen, servant of the best Jamaican food in the city. I said this when it originally aired, but a bit of a warning, there is some explicit content upcoming because Christine is a firecracker, so... If for whatever reason swearing isn't your thing, just a heads up there. But if you haven't heard our interview yet, you're in for a big, big treat. And even if you have, buckle up and get ready for round two. Christine, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm really good. Just finished grocery shopping and figure out that I'm going to come put stuff away to open for tomorrow because I only open four days a week now. So today's prep day so I can have a nice little chat with you. And then after this, 
then I'll go start my prepping. Well, hey, I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us because I know it's going to be a busy couple of days for you here. Yes, very hectic because it's a one-woman show, right? I run this <laughs> thing on my own, so. All right. Well, it's kind of interesting, and, and I just found this out a couple days ago, but Gates and Plates is turning into a mini Wall of Chefs family reunion here. We've had on a couple judges here in Winnipeg in the past, but mm -hmm. I believe that you're our first Wall of Chefs contestant. Is that right? That's right. What was that experience like? Oh, my God. It was amazing. It was amazing. They treated all the guests, like all the contestants, with such level of respect. And I, it's kind of hard to put into words. They made us felt so welcome and relaxed. But it was a long day. They picked us up from the hotel at around 6 in the morning. And we got to the, the studio. And we shoot from quarter to 7 until around 9, 10 o'clock at night. Wow. Yes. When you see the one-hour show, that takes about 16 hours. And then you have to keep doing it over again. They're like, okay, action. Then you run to the kitchen, you do your stuff, you come back. Oh, let's do it again. And it's just constantly. But it was fun. One thing I have always wondered is when you have, and, and for those that don't know, the first round, I believe, is 30 minutes, right? 30 minutes to make your signature dish? Actually, before the first round that you guys don't see, they give you a round to do. They send you into the pantry and tell you to make a omelette. That's okay. how they test you to see if you can actually cook. And they went around and taste all the omelettes, and they're like, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're out. Wow. Then they give you 30 minutes to make your signature dish, and I just... I was so nervous. Does the clock go as fast as everybody thinks it does? Yes, yes, yeah. it absolutely. It actually goes faster when you're in the studio. <laughs> it looks like it's going fast, but no. And the, the next thing you know, you'll see 30 minutes. And then the next thing you look, it's 10 minutes. Yeah. And you're like, okay, what just happened here? I thought that they'd give you 30 minutes. And then they'll be screaming, you get, better get going because your time is running down. So we're all hoping for a redemption. I think there's a redemption in the near future. Well, you did Winnipeg Proud in your first appearance, and you'll you'll do it again if there is a second one. So Oh, listen, there will be a second one. But I'm telling you, the thing that really gets me, it's at the end of it. I didn't realize that I could have put a piece of crab leg or a piece of – I didn't realize I could have put protein in it. Because when they open the fridge, the surprise at the end, they're like, oh, the second round, this is so-and-so. And you open it, and I'm Jamaican. And there was whipped herb cheese, oh. uh, miso paste, uh, some bitter celery, which I never even knew that there was two different kinds of celery. I'm always eating regular celery, but this one is so potent. It's really? very, very, yes, it's so potent to not have like a bitter taste to it. So it's not like the regular celery. So I was standing there smiling. Ah, this is easy. <laughs> but they love the soup, though. They said it is very flavorful, but it needed more protein. It was just basic. And I agree with them. And that's fine with me. But the guy that won, he's a food blogger. He's been doing this for so many years. He blogs. He's, he's always squidding. I've never heard of squidding before. He's squid. The, the dough to make pasta. And I was like, wow. 
what the hell is quitting? <laughs> what is that? Because he goes, they went to culinary school, those people, right? So they know what to fuse and what not to fuse. And I'm just a, like an open book. I just throw a bunch of stuff in there. <laughs> and even after, when before I left, they were laughing. They were like, Miss Christine, listen, we've been chefs for so many years and I have never thought of making a miso curry whipped cream, whipped cheese soup. They never thought of putting those things together to make a soup. And now I keep in touch with a lot of them, like Susan Barr. She's on my Instagram. The Noah Cap, he's the, he was the, the host. host. Yeah. Like I keep in touch with all of them and they're always telling me that they're proud of me and to keep going. And, you wow. know, and especially that I'm coming from so far from nothing. So that makes me feel good. You know, I'm turning 50 this year. So it's nice that I came from nothing and then I got chosen out of over, I think it was like over 10,000 people applied and I was oh. one of the 10,000 people that got chosen. So that was nice. That's awesome. I mean, and that's so great. You guys all keep in touch too. And, and yes. who, who knows, maybe the wall of chef soup is one of the new entries to your menu sometime soon too, right? I, a lot of people said that I should make it for them to try. It's actually very good, but I find it that it was basic. It was tasty, but it needed protein exactly right. like they said. But I've worked with miso paste now since that two years ago. Trust me, I whip up a miso vinaigrette. I make a miso <laughs> stir fry. Listen, I came home and I went to the Asian store and bought all this stuff that I've never had before. And now if I go back on the wall of chef, just because I got sent home for that soup, that's going to be my soup that I'm going to be bringing back to them. The same soup, except I know what kind of proteins to put in it to make it delicious. So I love yep. it. Well, hey, look, we can talk about Wallace Chefs for another 15 minutes here. True but that. We're here to talk about Miss Christine's Kitchen. Yes. Before we get to everything and all the great food you're making, you grew up in Jamaica can you just talk about how food played a big role in your life growing up there? And then as you eventually, you know, made your way to Winnipeg a number of years down the road. <laughs> That's another story. Do you have <laughs> enough time? Anyway, so I grew up poor. My dad died when I was five years old. He died from throat cancer and he never smoked a day in his life. So he died and my mom, she became an alcoholic right away after he died. So she left us all the time. She would be gone for weeks and the neighbors would have to take care of us and they would tease us and say, they wouldn't refer to us by our names. They would say, there goes Miss Lizzie, uh, drunken Lizzie kids and blah, blah, blah. And it's hard growing up back in the seventies when you don't have a mother and a father and people know your parents are drunk. So they used to beat up on me and my sisters all the time. And I decided when I was about eight, I was going to walk out to the carnation market. So I walk out to the market and I beg for some food. I went, we call them igglers. Here they call them vendors. So I walk to the market and I beg for some yellow yam, some white yam, some green bananas. And there were some people that were selling some food, like chicken feet and the back of the chicken, like really cheap stuff. The, the intestines of the pig and the cow, you can buy that at the market, but I didn't have money. So they felt bad for me because I was a little girl. And they're like, where are your parents? I'm like, I don't know where my mom is, but we're hungry. They're asking who's going to cook the food. I said, I'm going to cook it. They're asking if I know how to cook. I said, no, I don't, but I'm going to learn right away. Mm -hmm. So I took the food home 
and I cooked the food and I was actually surprised at eight how good the food tastes. So I called all the kids that used to tease me and my sister and beat us up and I started giving them food. So once every, every weekend I would go to the market, I would go there from Friday to Saturday and beg for food and then I would go home Saturday night or Sunday morning. I was at the market by myself at eight years old, wow. staying there overnight. But these cuss, these igglers were so used to me coming begging for food that they would look out for me and, and watch over me. So as I got older, I realized that hmm, there's two ways to make people like you. Be nice or you can feed them. <laughs> and it was easy for me to feed them because I'm not very nice sometimes. I get really cranky, okay? Oh, no, me. no. I, I don't think that's true. Yeah. Oh, no. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I, and then as I become a teenager... I'm, I'm thinking, this is great. I haven't had nobody tease me since I was eight. Nobody pick on my sisters. Everybody started showing me respect now. Oh, that's Miss. They've been calling me crazy Christine since I was a kid. And it stuck with me. And my mother, when she realized what I was doing, she would say to me, you know what? When you grow up, you should open up a restaurant because you're always bringing those straight people in my house and feeding them food. And that's what she says. I'm always bringing strays in to give them food because the look on people's face when they eat something that tastes good, it brings people together. So that's why it played a big part in my life growing up is feeding people. Then we skip 20, 30 years later almost, we almost lost our home. It went into foreclosure in 2018. And I said to my husband, my common-law husband, because we're not like, married married and i said to him i said yo this is bullshit because you're 47 i'm turning 48 and we can't be a fort we can't lose this house you gotta do something he's like oh blah 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 i said listen motherfucker we're gonna lose this house we are going to be on the street actually you can go to your rich mother house and live in our basement i don't have anywhere to go so i'm gonna start cooking from this house and at first he was like, no, you can't cook from the house. You're going to get in trouble. I said, okay, well, I'll cook until I get in trouble because you have one month to come up with $35,000. So he has to run to his rich mommy and she paid for this because we had a, not we, he had a lien on the house. He hates when I talk for business. He gets so mad. I said, but I don't give a shit. It's my life too. It's my story. So I'm telling it. If you don't like it, don't listen. So... He had to go to his mommy. He had a lien on the house and all a bunch of stuff. And she ended up just writing a check for the bank for 30 something thousand dollars, pay off the lawyer, everything. And then she looked at him and she said, so who's going to pay me back? So I looked at him and I said, well, I'm going to go start cooking. And she had such doubts. She's like, yeah, well, the restaurants are dime a dozen. They come and go. If they last for a year, it's a miracle, blah, blah, blah. Now it's going to be two years for me. How about that? <laughs> I love, yeah. I, I mean, it's an unbelievable story. I, I love yeah. how it went from, you know, you kind of learning how to cook to survive to turn it into some petty wars here. You're showing the, the mother-in-law who's boss, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. And so she's even shocked that I'm still going and we haven't not beat him. He hasn't called his mother since I started cooking in 2018 from the house and asked her for nothing because I am the sole breadwinner now of this house. That's awesome. I, 
I pay the mortgage, I pay the hydro bill, I pay for the restaurant, I pay the car insurance, I pay this, I pay that, I pay everything. That man hasn't had a decent job in about three years. Christine, you're the best. I, I just want to get that out of the way right now. Oh, you're yeah, I know that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so that's why I love to cook, because it pays the bill, and I see the smile that it puts on people's face. My food is selling out all the time. People call, like, three days, four days, a week ahead, and put in order to pre-orders. And this is why when people come here and walk in to get food, or they have to wait for 45 minutes, they're like, um... Why can't I just come and pick up food? No, you can't just walk in here and pick up food because everything is pre-order. So I have to deal with the folks that order their food from a week ago. It don't mean because you order this morning, you're going to get food because it's not fair to the ones that order a week ago and they expect to pick up their food at this time. And then they're going to show up and I'm going to say, sorry, there's no food. So it's a first come first serve basis. And I love it. The customers are so good. Listen, I ran out of potato one day when I was doing dining. My customer got up, left his wife, run down to Safeway, bought me potatoes, bring it back. And when I tried to give him the money, he didn't want to take the money. My customers were cleaning off tables for me wow. when I was doing dining. They said the food is so good and it's, it's what you call it here. It's not really pretty to look at. You know, it's not that aesthetic. That's the fancy word I'm looking for. It's just... <laughs> a big pile of food that tastes really good. This shutdown slowed me down a little bit, but not to the point where I'm hurting, but I can see the difference because people have to be saving their pennies, you know? And this is why I give them so much food for their money. Like a basic plate of food, a basic um, jerk chicken, it comes out to $20.16. But you can feed yourself two times out of that because the whole plate weighs about three pounds, the whole container. Then when you get into the oxtail, that can weigh about four and a half pounds, the container, because you get one pound of oxtail in your plate. Wow. Yeah, so I actually feed people. It's a little expensive, but you get your money's worth. You, you, you don't get rip off. Your food is always tasty, and the customer always asking for extra gravy or extra rice or extra salad. And I tell you something, I am the only restaurant in Winnipeg that give a six-layer salad in every food. It's a six-layer salad that you get. Most restaurants you go to, they give you a little bit of lettuce. And if you want spinach, you have to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't use lettuce in here. It's all spinach. So oh. my, that's why people love my salad because I put spinach. I put coleslaw mix, which is the dry stuff. I put green and orange and yellow peppers. I put cherry tomatoes. I put cucumber. And on the top, I put shredded carrots. So people work too hard for their money to rip them off. And sometimes you have my kind of people, God bless them, but they'll come in here sometimes and they'll be complaining. I said, listen, when you go to the keg and you get a stupid little half-baked potato and your six-ounce or your eight-ounce piece of steak, and your two little sprigs of asparagus, and you pay $49.99 on your ass is still hungry, go back to them and tell them that you want another piece of steak and you want some more asparagus and see what happened. <laughs> so don't come in here and tell me when my plate weighs four pounds and their plate barely because eight ounces of steak, two pieces of this, that don't even weigh a whole pound on your plate. 
for fifty dollars. So you can't come in here and talk smack to me about. Oh no, uh, no, I, I'm not. I don't think anyone wants to talk smack to you about anything. Oh, they do. My customer. Oh yeah. <laughs> when they come in here, if I'm quiet, they know that I'm having a bad day. Because I'm always talking shit, chatting with the customers, using unnice language or whatever you call it. You know, some restaurants you go there, oh, welcome to Miss Christine. Or no, not like that. Not when you come in here. It's not that bullshit. It's straight up like back home. You're walking. People are like, what do you have? What do you have for food? I said, what do you want? That's how I deal with my customers because I love them. They're amazing. My customers that's, kick ass, man. And these that's white all, yeah, and that's such a that's such a great relationship too that you're having is. where you can kind of just it's it's so it's so much like family and in so many places try to do that and it's not authentic, but it sounds like you're you're pulling that off super easy. No, it's not even pull it off super easy. You know, when you love what you're doing, a lot of people open restaurants and say that they love what they're doing. They're just doing it for the money, okay? To be real, uh, there's money in the restaurant business. But if you notice, I used to go to a lot of restaurants. And the, the problem with a lot of them, the food is not consistent, and that's the problem. Too much different cooks spoil the pot. So they need to figure something out. Like, I do all the cooking, all the grocery shopping. Eventually, I'm going to go get a food truck, like I told you, that's oh, what we'll I'm get to that. <laughs> yes. So I would like to hire somebody to still run here because I'm not going to give the spot up. It's just that I want to be out there to meet the people and talk to them. But um, when I hire someone, I have all my spices pre-mixed. So all they have to do is just sprinkle the spice on it and cook it. That's it. And I use the same ingredients and all of my food and none of my food tastes the same. And people ask me, how is it possible? I said, because goats give a different flavor. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you put the same spices on it. Yeah. You put the same spices on beef, you're going to get a different flavor because beef gives a different flavor. You put it in chicken, it gets a different flavor. You use it on your fish. And they're like, I never thought about that. I <laughs> always use fish for this. And I said, no. I'm not rich. I don't got time to buy all those spices. <laughs> this, it's three spices alone I use on all my food. Three. I call them the three sisters. I use my jerk chicken, only three spice. And really? that's, the poor, that's the poor person version. Because I watched my mother make jerk chicken like that for years. And everybody always asks her how her jerk chicken is so delicious. If she's using those 10 different spices, she look at them. Do I look like I can afford 10 spices? <laughs> so and that's the I secret then. Because I was going to ask you, like jerk chicken is what I think of when I think of Jamaican cuisine. And I mm -hmm. assume that it was at least a dozen different ingredients that goes into the spice mix. But I, only, I only put the three basic spice that you need in your jerk chicken. That's it. I don't put all that, the garlic powder and the cinnamon and the this and the that. But that's too confusing. That's too much trouble. <laughs> so I just stick to the flavors, which is the, the two main ingredients is thyme and pimento. That's pretty much it. <laughs> you don't necessarily have to use scotch bonnet pepper. Everybody seems to think you have to use scotch bonnet pepper to get a great jerk chicken. I couldn't tell the last time I put scotch bonnet pepper on my jerk chicken. Interesting. No, because I have a garden at my home and I grow all my peppers. I grow ghost peppers. I grow jalapeno. I grow all kind of peppers. So I don't specifically go after scotch bonnet because I paid attention to my mom when she was 
alive and how she cook. And she always tells, she says, when you use less, it always tastes the best. Is it the same for the Jamaican curry? You have curry goats and it's in a couple other items on your menu. Is, is yeah, that I have curry goat? goats. I have oxtail. So my two big sellers in here is the jerk chicken and the oxtail. Okay. Because I won best tasting at 2019 at the Mac and Cheese Festival for my jerk chicken. The bombers, they had bombers. I think they had some people from the Jets. They had uh, Mr. Michael Chambers. They had politicians there too. And I went up against Brazen Hall. I went up against Champs Food Truck. I went up against um, Blue Hazen. And you smoked them. And uh, Q Grill and all of them. And I smoked all of them for the best taste. <laughs> I was like, what? What this is? And the winner is Miss Christine's. I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, I beat all of them. And even them, they were, all, listen, it was funny at the festival because I was looking, I was the only one with a big lineup. Nobody else had big lineups. Everybody had no lineup. They kept coming back because I designed these little things that I call them jerk mac and cheese poppers. And mm. we sold over 3,000 of those in the three days that we were there. They are so amazing. Like I make a jerk mac and cheese. There is no such thing as a jerk mac and cheese. I just made that shit up, okay? Yeah. <laughs> because uh, the macaroni and cheese, you couldn't just take jerk chicken and cook. You, because it was a mac and cheese festival. So I had to think of a way how I could slip my jerk chicken in there too. And then I was talking to the organizer and I said, listen, I'm going to make a jerk mac and cheese. And she says, how oh, the hell are you going to do that? Can't jerk mac and cheese. I said, no, stupid. I'm not going to jerk the mac and cheese. I'm going to use the jerk spice in the macaroni and cheese. And I mix it up and I taste it. I was like, whoa, this shit is good. So then I take a wonton wrapper. And I put the cold macaroni and cheese in it, wrap it up and deep fry it. Oh my God. It's so creamy on the inside and crunchy on the outside. And I have a red sauce that you dip it in. Listen, people were oh, selling them for $8 for three. People were going back and coming around. My two deep fryer couldn't keep up, could <laughs> not keep up with them. Listen, and the jerk chicken. They're like, oh, my God, this is so good. You must have marinated for days. I said, no. Who got time to marinate stuff for days? It's <laughs> rub and cook. They're like, what? I said, yeah, I just season it up. If it takes five minutes to season it up, as soon as it's done, I shove it right in the oven. I do them in the oven for about 35 minutes, and then I finish them off on the grill. And you sell the jerk mac and cheese, right? Yes, I do. I start selling it now. It's all oh on. I posted it. That stuff was sold out before I even start selling it last weekend. I <laughs> sold so much of them. They're like, oh, my God, this is so good. I would never thought of jerk chicken, like jerk mac and cheese. Who thought of that? I said, you wait till I bring my poppers. You guys will see something else. Is that is that your Canadian accent that you throw on there? Oh, shit. Oops, I didn't even realize I was doing that. <laughs> I, was just, I was just wondering what you were going with there. You, you nailed it, but I was just wondering what you were going for. No, it's white people. I love you guys. What Jesus <laughs> They always say that. So how do you do that? And, oh, my God, this is so good. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. White people, you know, yeah. I love them, but yeah. <laughs> so, I, so since we're making fun of white people, I've always wondered this, and I've seen I've seen different restaurants do this. Do you have like Jamaican spicy and then white people spicy? No, to be no? honest, my white customers, 
Listen, sometimes they ask for extra heat. They said, this is not oh. hot. Yes. So there is no white people white spice in here because I'm Jamaican and I can't stand spicy stuff. But oh. I make it spicy enough that you can enjoy it. And sometimes they want to tell me, get extra hot sauce. Can you get extra this? I love it. You mentioned this to me when we spoke earlier this week. You want to set the standard when it comes to the food truck game here in Winnipeg, right? So my uh, 36-year-old child, she's always telling me from the start, Mom, you need to get a food truck. You're not the type that likes to sit in a place because there's no windows in this restaurant. No window. So I can't even tell you if it's dark or light outside. So she was saying to me before, she says, get a food truck, get a food truck. I'm like, no, I don't want to get a food truck. But, you know, after being in here for coming on two years, I said, you know what? I called her up and I said, you know what, sherri you were right. I need to get a food truck and get the fuck out of here and get somebody else to run this. I want to be out there. I want to be driving, say, for lunch. I'll be parked downtown close to the MTS Center. Some people can come get food. And for supper, I'll be parked somewhere else. And then on weekends, I'll drive to Brandon. And then I'll drive to Regina. I just want to travel with my food truck. And I noticed in the last 32 years I've been here, I've never seen a food truck in the wintertime on the street. And you want to change that. And that's what I'm going to change. Because I'm thinking, if people can live in trailers, in um, those campers in the wintertime, there must be a way to treat those lines. So that this way you can still run your truck. And then someone says to me, why would anybody want to come out and buy food in the wintertime? Are you an idiot? Of course, if they know that there's a food truck parked downstairs of their office building, they're just running down to come grab some food and run back in. Hey, Winnipeggers are, are so stupid that they'll grab Slurpees when it's minus 30 out. So you, yeah. can't, you can't tell me that they're not going to come out for some jerk for chicken. Some nice and jerk chicken. Like, exactly. So that's what I want to do. I want to start a trend. So truck people know that. It, I know they said that the food truck people make enough money and they don't have to work for the winter. That must be a lot of money, so I want to get into that. Because if you can work for four months and take eight months off, I want to get in on that. I, hey, I'm hoping. I can't wait to see Miss Christine's so, food truck coming down the street 12 months a year. I, I'm in on that. That's right. Oh, I'm so in on it. I'll be like the ice cream girl, okay? <laughs> Go to the ice cream truck girl and play the music. Except I'll be blaring some reggae music out of that truck. Oh. It's my dream. You have no idea. I've been looking at a truck and the guy's asking 45,000 for it. It's um automatic, it runs good, it has two deep fryer, it has a grill in it, it has a freezer, it has a cooler, it has a tree sink, you know, it has everything like a kitchen. It's very small and compact. So I'm hoping that I'm going to start putting a hundred dollars a day away in my bank account five days a week and see how much closer I can get. And then I'll call revenue candidates and listen, because I know if I get that food truck, I would make that money in a summer, like easy. Look, you're obviously super busy with your restaurant opening up here, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. No, um, I open tomorrow, but if you want to go, that's all good. No, no, no. I, I, I just got a couple of one or two more questions for you before we go. If you were to create the perfect game day meal from Miss Christine's Kitchen, what would you serve for that game day party? Oh hell, jerk chicken! That's yeah. Easy. Oh hell yeah. hell yeah! That jerk chicken would knock them out of the ballpark. <laughs> I love it. Nice and simple, short and sweet, just like your yes. food, right? And I hope that the Jets they all come out and support Miss Christine's Kitchen. 
<laughs> try some food. Or is there any way I could give them some jerk chicken to try? Like, I would like to make a tray and chop up some jerk chicken and just give it to them, my gift to them, so that they can try my food. Let me get into some of my contacts. I'll, I'll, okay. see, if we can, I'll see if we can hook something up, okay? And we can, I'll tell you what, you make it, I'll send it out there. I can't guarantee it gets past my house, but we'll we'll work something out there. <laughs> All right. And if, yeah, for sure. And then I will definitely you make the mac and cheese so you can try it too. So if you can set something up, I will make sure that I have a little thing of mac and cheese for you to try and some jerk chicken. Beauty. All right. Well, I'll, I'll get right to that. In the meantime, just let our listeners know how they can uh, grab jerk chicken, oxtail, everything else you serve. Just let them know uh, what the best way to do that is. Okay, guys, you can go on my website at www.misschristineskitchen.com to pre-order, or you can call 204-698-1546. Please don't call me at 5 o'clock because chances are you won't get any food. I do not answer my phone at 5 o'clock, even though I open at 4 o'clock from Wednesday to Friday, and on Saturdays from 4.30 until 9. So do not call me at 5. I don't answer the phone. It's a one-woman show, so I can't be answering the phone and making plates at the same time. So you guys have to pre-order. And the food is amazing. And like I said, if you don't like it, it's free. Free like the bird in the tree. <laughs> drop the mic. Drop the mic. Let's leave it at that. All right. Well, we'll stay in touch, okay? Thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. And anytime, if you want to chat about food or anything, give me a ring. For sure. All right. Have a good day, Christine. You too. Bless up, my dear. Goodbye. Oh, Christine is just the best. We'll have to, I mean, for sure, we're going to get her back on the show. We're going to get in touch sometime soon because she's just way too entertaining to be a one and done guest. Either way, though, we're back on Tuesday, officially kicking off our Jets offseason talk. And we'll begin it all by looking up front at the forward core. Some big decisions to be made. The expansion draft potentially losing a really impactful top nine piece, maybe even top six piece. Andrew Kopp's RFA negotiations will begin shortly. And we'll take a look at some UFA and, and trade targets that the Jets should look at to help bolster the attack for next season. Until then, enjoy your weekend, everyone. And thanks for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace.